Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. Well, I'm sitting here recording and very excited to share with you some new learning I had this week thanks to a fellow leader, Tiffany from Freedom, Wisconsin. Now, it's ironic that I got it from her because I'm feeling pretty lucky that she shared this information with me. And the reason it's ironic is because their school mascot is the Irish and it's St. Patrick's Day and my house smells like corned beef and cabbage. And what Tiffany shared with me is the focus of this week's podcast. And I think we're pretty lucky to have it. Each week, we want to expand our thinking with reflections, tools, and ideas generated from all over the place. And we do this because, as leaders, we need to remember that we are influencing people every moment of the day. Now, the greatest quality of a leader, well, it's twofold, empathy and reflection. The ability to step away from the situation and understand the impact on others while thinking back about what worked and what we could do different if we face that situation again in the future. My grandmother taught me a very valuable lesson as a young man, and that was that we are not here to judge others. Instead, we are here in our interactions with them to understand them and why they are in the position that they're in. As we pursue that understanding, it is up to us to determine how do I best fit into this narrative and how can I help support their success. If your focus is on the inverse, if we are judging We are instead throwing our values onto the situation and finding ourselves looking for ways to either intentionally or accidentally deflate the person in front of us because we are looking at their deficits instead of their assets. When we are in front of someone, it is our obligation to look for their assets and then determine how best to support and serve that person. Why? Well, our goal as leaders is to try to create herds of buffaloes. Others willing to charge into the storms that we all face together. As a matter of fact, we want to be around people who, the moment it starts to rain, are motivated to take off into whatever they are facing. Now, in order to do that, we need to find better ways to be empathetic. And that is why I love what Tiffany gave me. But before we do that, I want to share a little theory I have about working with and teaching others. I really enjoy looking at data. Data. Whichever way you say it, it means the same thing. But I love it not because I like numbers. I like the patterns. I like to get into the subsets to try to figure out what it means. And so many people think that data is something that math people are good at. But data is not something just for numbers people. Data, I believe, is for curious people. Years ago, I developed this theory and then I looked for evidence. And My theory was that between the months of February and the start of spring break, Teachers, parents, well, all adults, as well as kids, began to lose tolerance for each other. I based it upon the fact that there was a general tiredness in the tones of my colleagues, a significant uptick in things like suspensions, and a whole lot of discipline taking place. I looked at data, and I began to notice that, sure enough, the beginning of second semester caused a spike in everything. Attendance issues from illness, increased truancy, increased classroom referrals, and increased teacher absences. Now, a lot of this can be explained by flu seasons and other normal mid-year issues, but there was also a significant amount of outliers. Students with their very first discipline issue ever, teachers with their first dust-up leading to difficult conversations with parents or administrators, parents 
coming into school in mama or papa bear mode and a general increased level of tension. I thought maybe that was a Wisconsin thing because of the cold, so I called a few of my colleagues I had grown to know around the country because I also thought maybe this is a winter thing and found that in Arizona and Virginia and Southern California and Florida, they see the same trends. My lifetime working hypothesis is applicable in any industry, but it plays out in schools every year after like the 98th day of school. We're tired of each other, and we've moved away from seeking understanding and empathy to what in the world is wrong with these people. We move to judgment mode. We believe that they are doing things with intention and intentionally trying to bug us. I mean, think about it this way. At the start of anything, our tolerance for someone is usually really high, but our understanding and knowledge about them is really low. When we begin our relationship with others, we are wide open to all of their idiosyncrasies. We are willing to give grace, and we work to find commonality so we can support each other when we first get together. Now, as time, or in the case of the school year, as the school year goes on, there are two lines on a graph. There's a tolerance and empathy line, which sits at 100% at the beginning, and an understanding and knowledge of the other people line, and that's sitting at 0% at the beginning. Now, as time goes on, our understanding of others grows. So that line goes up from 0 to 10 to 20 to 30 to 45 to 50 percent. And once we're at 50 percent, we get there pretty quickly. And weirdly, as we grow in our understanding, well, there's another thing that starts to happen. Our tolerance starts to drop from 100 to 95 to 90 to 70 to 60. And things become irritating and we begin to drop our empathy for other people or persons as we're learning more about them. This results in a significant reduction in our performance on their behalf. It is usually by November that the two lines intersect. Our tolerance is at 70% and our understanding is climbing near 70%. But then, all of a sudden, the tolerance line begins to drop sharply. What happens happens is that we now know enough about each other or people that we violently swing away from being empathetic and we hit hard with judgment. This drops our tolerance right when we should be at our peak of empathy and understanding. But in reality, they can predict us and we have stopped inquiring into their motivations or our motivations and have instead begun to fill their minds with our narratives or our minds with their narratives about motivations, why we're intentionally irritating them. Or more sadly, we swing into power modes in our relationships and start to drop the hammer because we're in charge. Um... Ted, this doesn't sound very optimistic or hopeful. Well, of course it doesn't. But whenever there is a problem, well, there needs to be a process, a behavioral shift with intention to become strategic about how to support others and ourselves. That tool was handed to me by Tiffany, and now we're going to use it to end this cycle and increase our empathy. Why? Well, so that we fuel our tolerance, increase our empathy, and finally make those around us successful because of the shift that we made. Remember, the only way to fundamentally change the behavior of another person is to first change your own. So let's get to changing. The process map I will put out is a pathway to more empathy. And the tool and idea that Tiffany shared with me is called Empathy Interviews. You can Google this and find a million tools, and I'll have the one I'm talking about today designed for you and put together in this week's TH3. 
Now, the one I created combined a bunch of the variations I saw, and I tested it, and there are a few unique steps. I changed it around a little bit to be first reflective, and then second to be inquiry-based. The first step is to fill out the form so that you have reflected on the other person's point of view, their motivations, their position, and their mindset. You fill it out, and then you take it to the next step. You sit down with others to validate or challenge your reflection. Yep, you don't just do this in isolation. You do this with a group. This helps eliminate your biases. It will help you a ton, and it will be slightly uncomfortable, but it will also allow you to grow deeper in your understanding of what your biases or your opportunities for growth are, as well as increase your competence for dealing with others. Reflection and collaboration are critical, and once you have completed those steps, you'll be in a position of choice, choosing to change your behaviors in an effort to better serve or to do nothing. Of course, we're going to change so that we can charge. Now, to the questions for the reflection in the empathy interview. The interesting thing here is our approach. It is you first interviewing and reflecting on yourself, a reflection of your knowledge and the opportunity to fill gaps. And then secondly, you'll interview the other person. Again, we lose our tolerance for others when there is a knowledge gap. And instead of filling the gap with evidence, we fill it out with our own narrative. And then we stick to that story and we defend it. And unfortunately, that story is filled with errors and judgments that do not benefit yourself or, more importantly, the other person. Okay, take a listen to how you'll reflect on this empathy exercise. Again, I'll have the process sheet for you this week on Thursday. But this is what you would do for you first. Now, the first question we want to ask is, who am I empathizing with and for? We need to ask ourselves, what do I need to understand more about? What is their situation in life at this moment? And what controls does that person have? That's the first thing we're going to reflect upon. And you're just going to write out little bullet points. Second, what do I need to do differently in order for them to be successful? What do I need to change about myself or my perceptions in order to allow them to achieve what they need to achieve? I hope you heard that, because in order for that person to be successful, you first have to make the change. Third, what could they do differently in order to be more successful? This one is always easy because we feel we can solve other people's problems, but it's not easy because we have to be asking ourselves, if I were them, what would I do differently? And that is not easy to figure out if you are truly trying to understand the position of the other person. Now the fourth one, we're almost halfway. How would I see it if I were them? Ah, again, shifting the perspective. If I was in their shoes looking at the problem or the issue or me, what exactly would be my perception and how would I adjust to it? Now, fifth, what is the language of the other person and how do I hear it? Are they articulating frustration, pain, concern, anger, happiness, irritation? What do they say or share that give me context to, to the position they are in? Sixth, how do they act? What are they doing that is leading others to a position or mindset about them? What are these actions and where are they coming from? Are they scared, threatened, embarrassed, ashamed, proud, angry, sad, or anxious? Those are things you have to ask yourself. Again, if you are listening to this, you can hear how a really cool interview of empathy comes to place. Instead of just asking yourself, I wonder what life would be like in their shoes, you're really going deeper into it to grow a greater understanding. Now, two more. Seventh, how are they hearing the world around them? 
How often are they getting reinforcement, accolades, criticism, sarcastic responses, or are they hearing anything at all? Are they ignored? Why are they in the position they are in? And the last one, eighth, if I were them, what would I be thinking and feeling? What are they afraid of? What are they upset about? What are they thinking will happen? What are they proud of? What are they so happy about? As well as, where do they want to be compared to where they currently are? Now, do some smart thinking here and reflect upon how powerful it would be to sit down and reflect upon all of this before you even met with anyone. Imagine meeting with a few colleagues and then asking them to process your reflection with you. You'd build empathy immediately through that process as they were giving you feedback of, well, I don't think that's the position they're in, or I think you're on to something right there. Maybe we should try this. Now, one huge and significant piece here for you. Once you've done all of this, you need to take those eight questions and interview the person you're trying to grow for. Yeah, the person you've just done all the reflections about. Yep, your entire reflection and collaboration process is based upon your narrative and your knowledge. It's based upon you. It will help you move forward, but now you need to sit across from the other person and interview them. Here's the real power, because you need to grow and they need to hear you wondering about how to make the situation better for both of you. Tolerance is fueled by understanding and empathy is the path to that success. Yeah, you reflect and then you sit down and ask the other person the exact same questions and see the gaps in your knowledge and their world. Empathy interviews and reflection are mind-blowing exercises, and they will make you one heck of a buffalo leader for others. I tried this, and I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I sat down and reflected on the tool, and then I sat down in front of the other person. Halfway through, halfway through the process, we were laughing because when they shared their answer, I would share my reflection, and I heard her say over and over, Ted, you way overthought this, and oh my goodness, you really created a wild story about me in your head. If we want to be the best version of ourselves in order to influence others to be their best, we need to have a process to grow empathetically and grow empathy. And this one is a great one. You reflect, they respond, and you both grow. That is smart thinking. That's not scary. And that's what leaders do. We learn, grow, and then we charge. So let's do some smart thinking. List those that would benefit from your empathy. Describe how you can apply this process for others. And list a behavior you need to change in order to become more empathetic. That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, as always, thank you for listening to the Smart Thinking Podcast. And please rate and share this episode on your platform. I appreciate you listening and growing with me each week. And thank you to the Well Pennies for their great music. And check out all the artists they support on their Golden Bears recording albums on their studio's website. Finally, my friends, empathy is a muscle. Both a mental muscle and an emotional muscle. And we have got to be consistently working on it so that we grow. First for others, but then most importantly, for ourselves. I struggle like you on occasion with narratives in my mind, trying to figure out what motivates some of the people I serve or work with, and most of the time, those I live with. We walk around with so many preconceived ideas, and all of those ideas lack empathy and understanding, especially the longer we're with people, because our tolerance for them drops while our understanding grows every single 
day. So fuel that tolerance by growing your understanding through empathy. And that is why at this time of the year in schools, sitting down and reflecting about the child in front of you that is bothersome, thinking about a colleague in a new way that might be frustrating you, and then taking place and interviewing yourself and then them so you can grow and develop a process to support the other person's needs, well, that is really critical for everyone's success. Listen, we can mope around or we can charge into what we are facing. I've really never understood people who are afraid to charge. And that's why I did this process with someone. Someone I've been working with for a really long time and where I needed to grow was in my understanding of why they struggled being optimistic or at least half as optimistic or as optimistic and positive as I thought they could be. Through our conversation and me doing the reflection exercises and then interviewing them, I learned that she actually was charging optimistically 95% of the time. What I was missing was the fact that being around me made her comfortable, comfortable enough to share her worries and concerns. But for me, on my end, that's all I ever heard. And that's all they ever did. So they fed my narrative that they were struggling and unwilling to be optimistic. And that they gave up easily. Well, they weren't. They were just relaxing and being vulnerable around me. And actually were leaving fueled. But I was reading it as if they were a pessimistic cow unwilling to charge into the storm. I was wrong. They were normal. It was amazing. I learned a ton through this exercise. And I grew. So try it out. Learn, grow, empathize, and be your best for others. That is, after all, what fuels us to be able to charge into whatever storm we are facing. So this week, when it starts to rain, go. Welcome.